Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, The Joyful Frugalista, and now here's your host, Serena Bird. This podcast is brought to you by The Joyful Fashionista, an online marketplace for buying and selling secondhand and sustainable clothing. Make cash selling as you declutter or buy sustainable and fabulous fashion. Yuma Frugalistas and welcome. So today I have a very special guest and as you know, all of my guests are special. But today's <laughs> guest is someone who I'm so excited to have on here. In fact, I've wanted to invite her for a while, but I was really scared that she'd say no. I don't know why. It's weird how these things happen. But she's someone who has a deep understanding of intuition, including how to harness intuition to attract abundance. And she's someone who helped me when I needed guidance in a very key point in my life, and we're going to get to that. But first, I have a favor to ask of you. If you are enjoying this podcast, if it resonates for you, please like and follow. And more importantly, tell your friends, share it with someone who really needs to hear this message. Susie Cherub is an International Psychics Association Psychic of the Year 2014 in Australia. She's an international award-winning psychic medium, published author, speaker, and intuitive coach. She has authored three oracle decks, and I've got one of them here in front of me, which is her most recent, the Water Temple Oracle, but I have all three, and they're all significant. Her approach in combining intuition, mindfulness, and self-awareness enables others to live an intuitive and conscious life. Her mission is to help soul-centered people create fulfilling relationships and bring a sense of passion, holistic balance, and authentic happiness to their lives. Welcome, Susie. Welcome, Serena. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm absolutely thrilled to have you. Love and adore you. you. Love and adore everything (laughs) you do. So, yay. And you've been a huge encourager of my endeavors. And in fact, I want to share with the audience that uh, we're recording on the 10th of October. So 10.10 is significant, obviously. So you've got a a double 10 and I I scheduled the appointment at 10 o'clock, sort of forgetting a bit about all of those things. But there's another thing I forgot too, which is three years ago on the 10th of October, I had a meeting with Susie and it was a meeting that changed my life. So I booked in to have a reading and I was a bit unhappy in my work but I was also really scared because it was like my anchor that was the thing that was getting me through that fact I I knew I had some secure income coming through and basically Susie you told me and I'm sure you remember this or maybe you do maybe you don't but you said you need to leave you've been needing to leave for a long time just (laughs) pick a date get out burn the boats and leave and that's exactly what I did oh how wonderful you know burning those lifeboats you have no choice but to make it work (laughs) And I could see forward and I knew that your, you know, higher purpose and your passion and your desires, I knew that you had that drive and intelligence and intuition to make it work. So, yay, I think it's important that you kind of like take that leap of faith and know that you will be supported and you absolutely were and look at everything you're doing. It's just, It's such an honour and a blessing to witness your journey because you're doing the most magnificent things and and you're so much happier, right? So much happier. And yeah, I have you to thank for that. 
And then the other funny thing is, is in our session, uh, you said to me, just pick a date and make it happen. And I thought, oh, well, today's the 10th. I'll, I'll, I'll go to the end of the month, right? <laughs> and of course, I forgot that that was Halloween. So I will forever oh, remember wow. that date because yes. it's just such an easy date to remember. It's like, there's a little bit of woo-woo in that, which I didn't even think of. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, from an energetic, energetic perspective, it's, you know, out with the old, in with the new endings and beautiful new beginnings. So it was actually an ideal time to to do that so you know everything's in divine timing or part of the divine plan but consciously you know you you create your own reality but you're always kind of meant to so it's a bit of a yeah it's a bit confusing isn't it to get your head around that yeah exactly and in my case you're looking for these big signs you're looking for this automatic success but of course it's a continuum (laughs) 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 of different things But anyway, enough about me. What do you think about me? Joke, 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 joke. I actually (laughs) want to to talk about you and specifically your life, your backstory. So I'm assuming you didn't always work as a psychic. So what was your life pre where you are now? I'm a reluctant psychic, as you know. I was in the corporate world in high sales and management for many, many years. I've always been psychic and I've always had a spiritual love you know I love everything woo-woo and spiritual but I used to hide that because I was in that corporate space and although I used to utilize my psychic gifts to create abundance in my life and I, I very much did that yeah I it was it was that reluctance of uh, coming out of the spiritual closet I suppose but I had a near-death experience sounds very dramatic but it was very true and mm-hmm realized that I needed to be true to me and walk away from that space. And I enjoyed that space. I enjoyed the challenges, the success, the financial gain. You know, there's nothing spiritual about poverty. I'm very much into an abundance mindset, but I was working 100-hour weeks. My relationships were suffering. My health was suffering. And I have this ability to focus on service, so I don't always look after myself. Mm-hmm. although I've learned to do that. So it was no longer optional. I had to take that leap. Although the transition was about a 12-month transition, when I finally decided to leave, it was a no-brainer. I did it quite quickly to the point where people around me had to catch up because it's kind of like, I don't know why you're doing this. You've just been offered this massive promotion. You know, you're running the mm-hmm. show. Like, why on earth would you want to leave this secure, safe, high income to chase the spiritual pathway. And what I realized was that abundance comes in many shapes and forms. And there's not much point of having a huge bank account and a massive investment portfolio if your relationships are non-existent, if your health is suffering. So yeah, although it's really interesting because I'm still a practical psychic. So I still run a practical... I still run a very busy business. So everything I've done up until now hasn't been a waste of time. It's underpinned my success because I took advantage of all the courses I could do when I was in that corporate space. So I've got qualifications that have really helped me run a successful business, So, which is unusual because a lot of people in the spiritual space don't fully understand that you can be financially successful and highly spiritual at the same time. And I think we're all carrying uh, the witch's wounds or we've all signed 
poverty agreements mm-hmm. from past lives. I know that's quite a spiritual concept, but I feel like we all carry this kind of limiting belief in around how can you be spiritual and also be abundant. And I'm here to tell you that you can do both and inspire others to do the same thing. But yeah, it's it's yeah, it's 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 a, it's an unusual kind of situation that I was in, but I'm very very grateful that that massive breakdown was actually the best breakthrough that has ever happened to me because I'm still financial, but I have balance and I have better relationships, including the relationship I have with myself. <laughs> I have a much better relationship with myself these days. So let's let's go back a bit. So you had a, a breakdown and a breakthrough. So you had an, a near-death experience, but at the same time, your work was going gangbusters. So gangbusters. Like, so you, you sort of had this awakening where on the one hand, everyone around you is going, oh, look how lucky it is you're doing so well at work, but you're like, ah, but yes. there's more here. Is that kind of how, how it was happening for you? Yeah, and I also realised that I was doing a lot of it for others, not necessarily for me. My father was very proud of his very successful daughter, so I had daddy issues as well that I've resolved. <laughs> you know, I can um, so relate to this. <laughs> yes, and I'm, you know, I'm pleased that he was proud of me, but at the same time, I needed to be proud of me. Yeah, and I needed to find balance, and I needed to have deeper meaning in my life, and. I had this calling and this yearning to make a real difference in a small way in the world. And I truly believe that I have made a small difference and a meaningful one. And my life has more meaning. So to me, joy and purpose and having that meaning in my life is far more abundant than just the bank account. Yeah, I totally hear you. And you probably know this or or maybe you don't. But these days when we talk about abundance, people are increasingly realizing there's all different sorts of capital, like there's social capital, for instance. In the old days, you used to think that you had to go to work so that you could buy things. But now you can put a call out saying you're by nothing project group and you can get things for free. I get things for free all the time. It's just amazing. You're so good at that. You've taught me so much in regards to, yeah, being frugal in a really sacred way. And I totally understand that it has that perspective as well. Yeah, it's not, yeah. a, it's not about grabbing things out of greed. It's just when people offer you something, I, I believe, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I believe that they are offering it to you so you accept with gratitude. And so many people go, oh, no, no, I don't really want that. It's like they're, they're offering you something, accept it. If you don't want it, pass it on to someone else. But it's that, that cycle. If you want to be able to receive, you really have to receive. Oh, absolutely. And don't question the why or the how. So many times we do that thing where we go, it has to be a certain way. And if you've got, if you've got low self-worth, of course you're not going to receive that graciously because if you're from my childhood where we were taught to work hard, you know, you oh, had to yes. work hard. I'm from blue-collar background, so my father was a plasterer and he made good money and a life for himself but from nothing and working crazy hours and And so we were taught that work ethic that you had to work hard, you had to work crazy hours if you wanted to get ahead. And even walking around going, I'm so busy, I'm so busy (laughs) and I'm working so hard, even that was somehow rewarded. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm laughing because in my latest book, The Joyful Startup Guide, I talk about how Australians have shifted now to have busy as like a badge of honour in our greeting. And I laugh a lot because when I first started learning Mandarin Chinese in the 1990s, 
This was the sentence pattern we learned when we were learning, like, hello, how are you? And they'd say, ni hao, ni mang bu mang, are you, are you busy or not busy? And the response was, wohan mang, I'm very busy. And I laughed so much in the 90s. I thought, what a strange way to say hello to people. And then I turned around and gone, but all my friends are saying this in Australia now. When has this become part of Australian in English and part of our culture? That's right. When and where and how did that happen? I guess we're so multicultural. My father's Portuguese and he's in spirit now. But yeah, he was very much from that. You've got to go out and make your fortune too because that's what the Portuguese did. They were all sailors. So they'd all leave Portugal and go out and make their fortunes and bring their fortunes back. So I had that mentality too of like, you've got to go and make your fortune. Yeah, and of course you can make your fortune. But you're right, it has to be more holistic. It has to be yeah. that your well-being, your everything. Exactly. So, and I think, yeah. not that I know them personally, but I think of James Packer who has so much money but has really yes. battled with mental health issues. And you look at him and he's not, not happy. I mean, I don't know whether he's happy or not. It's like in um, Chinese philosophy, one of Chuang the philosopher's disciples, has this whole thing about the fish and you know, his disciples looking at the fish and saying, I wish I could be so happy as the fish. It's about five parts to this, and I forget all the parts, but the con- concept is you never really know whether someone else is happy or not. You can't assume <laughs> yes. that the fish is happy or not. You can't assume these sorts of things. So I, I don't know, but I do sort of think, gosh, all that money, but he doesn't look well and he doesn't look happy. Yes, and it's that simple abundance too, and we only really need what we need. We don't need more. We all think we do, and, of course, you know, it makes the – journey more interesting and more comfortable and but to me meaning and purpose and passion and living consciously and yeah is far more abundant so and you're right you know we're all changing our way of thinking but it's but it's a slow process because it's been so embedded in so many cultures for so many years well yeah and I think it's a natural instinct isn't it Uh, particularly some cultures like Jewish cultures who've been uh, discriminated against for so many many years and yes Chinese culture which you probably know my my first husband is Taiwanese so uh, and his mum's from originally from from the mainland that culture of going through extreme poverty for so many years so their life purpose then becomes collecting a lot of money so they can pass to their children that can ensure that the the family line survives. So it's really easy to get in that kind of mindset about thinking that that's your life mission or that's your life purpose. Oh, absolutely. And it's kind of like, what is your value? Mm. What is your real value? And outside happiness isn't necessarily happiness, right? So finding that inner happiness is is, is far more important. But in saying that, you know, as I said to you before, there's nothing spiritual about poverty, right? So you want everyone to have enough and to be abundant. And the good news is you can consciously create with your psychic senses. So I've always had this ability to manifest in my life. Manifesting stuff is one of the easiest things. Manifesting fulfilling relationships can be slightly more challenging because there's other, you know, do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of. Stuff is easy. If you can see it, feel it, know it, embody it, become it, of course you're going to make it happen. So let's let's talk through manifesting for maybe some of those who are not familiar with manifesting and how does it how it works. So how do you work with your clients to get them to manifest things? I think it's going back to basic. You have to know what your why is. You have to be really super clear on what you actually want. A lot of people don't know what they want, or perhaps 
are the people who are deciding for them. So getting really super clear on what you want, having that really strong belief. And when you have that really strong belief, you are going to action your dreams too. So it's not just about asking, believing and receiving that third step of actually having that faith in action and actioning it. I like people to use their psychic and physical senses to see it, feel it, know it, believe it, call it into the sacred now so they can actually manifest it. It is spiritual, but it's also scientific. Things aren't going to happen unless you make them happen or you believe they're going to happen. Otherwise, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't burn the lifeboats. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go after your dreams, right? So, and also really working on the shadow side, working out what your limiting beliefs are, what your fears are, what your unconscious saboteurs are, your sabotaging patterns, because we all have them. Oh, yeah, I have a lot. And yeah. the, the more yeah. I learn about this myself, the more I find more that I know about. Yeah. It feel, feels like That's it's right. never-ending. <laughs> it's never-ending. I always have clients, clients say to me, oh, but, you know, I've worked on that. I've worked on that. That's not an issue anymore. And I go, look, please don't take this the wrong way, but it's clearly still an issue because it's clearly still happening. Yeah. You know, you're going from that toxic relationship to another toxic relationship to another toxic relationship or you're in debt, you're getting more in debt, you get rid of the debt, you're back in debt. It's clearly Yeah, and my tip on that is is don't talk about debt. (laughs) Talk about, you know, amassing abundance. The moment people say I'm working on debt, it's like, yeah, you're fixated on that debt word, that's where you're going to be. Oh, exactly. So, you know, focus and intention is clearly magic. You know, we talk about magic and it sounds very enchanting and very but it doesn't sound real. But when we talk about getting really super clear on your goals, creating, it really is manifestation can be magical, but it can also be very and pragmatic and real. Yay. And I think it's the difference between, yeah, making things happen and not making things happen. Yeah, I'm laughing here because my youngest who's 10 is what I would term an expert manifester. He's a little bit on the psychic side himself, but, you know, he's one of these people who knows very clearly what he wants. Like, I want this. Like he knows, I want this. I'm going to happen. Yes, and I've he's, always been that way. Is and he's very, he's not shy about it. It's like I just want it, and because he's so clear about it, people give him yeah. stuff. Like random people, they always know what to give him. <laughs> My eldest son, yeah. who's just turned 13, he's a lot more shy. He's like, oh, I don't know. I don't think I should, and so he's too scared. He's just had his birthday, and we had to keep saying to him, like, what do you want for your birthday? He's too scared to ask. But my youngest, he's fantastic, and he gets all this amazing stuff because he asks constantly and he has this confidence he knows he's going to get it he can foresee and foreknow so when you're intuitive and I believe everyone's born intuitive some of us are more aware of it and more open to it or perhaps it's that natural inborn instinct and intuition we all have gifts and perhaps some of us are are more it's more readily available at birth does that make sense it does yeah but The reason psychics can manifest is because we can see it. We know it to be true. And we're also very decisive. That's what I've noticed. (laughs) Like I drive people nuts. It's really a beautiful way to live. I didn't realize that I manifested. I thought everyone could do it. Does that make sense? I thought everyone from an early age, I kind of had this ability to kind of decide what I want and actually make it happen. But I thought everyone could do that. And it It was a realisation that I had much later in life that, no, not everyone's doing that. 
interesting. Well, I, I wonder too whether this is gendered, whether as women we're taught not to ask for things, not to come out of line, not to have high hopes and dreams, to put everyone else first, that there's something wrong about us asking for things, including money. Oh, definitely. Everything comes into play. That's why it's so important to do the deep shadow work and go into the unconscious. And yeah, of course, we're all a work in progress. So it's happened overnight and we still have triggers and we still revert back for whatever reason. But it's, it's really crucial that you do, you do your own deep work so that that isn't affecting your, your success. So we talk about an abundance mindset, but there's also an abundance heart set. You can have positive thoughts, but if you don't really feel it, if you're not really feeling that it's ever going to happen, it's like you're trying to make it happen, but you're not utilising all of your psychic senses. I can so relate to that because there's sometimes things that I really want and I'll say them over and over again, but it just, I don't know, it doesn't feel right. But there's times when I want things, like the first book, both books I've written, I knew I was going to write them, I knew I was going to publish them. There's no doubt, like I was going to do it anyway. It didn't matter whether I got a publishing yes. deal or not. And that's when it happens. Yes, yes. Creating the cover, seeing the cover build it and they will come, having that faith in action. Absolutely. And plus, it was really congruent to what you really wanted. So sometimes we try and manifest things that we think we should have, we should be manifesting when really deep down, if it's not, if it's not in alignment with your true desires, uh, you'll never make it happen. Get really super clear on that. Yeah, no, thank you. And I have a little bit of a bugbear about what I sometimes see is the cult of manifesting, and that is manifesting that's not really aligned with spirit. And that is, it's a bit like that MasterCard ad where they say for, or Visa, I can't remember, but for everything else, there's MasterCard that people sort of feel that, oh, I'm manifesting because I've gone out and bought it, not thinking about the fact that it hasn't really come to you at the right time and in the right way. I'm not saying you have to work hard for things, but just going into debt to get things because you think you deserve it and you've manifested it isn't really, I don't think, manifesting. Oh, absolutely. I think it's so important that, you know, is part of the abundance. There's, yeah, there's kind of like getting stuff instantly. There's no real gratification Mm. because it's kind of like you haven't gone on that beautiful kind of quest to receive it. That's a great way of looking at it. You know, lessons and blessings and, and learning in it. Plus, if we could truly do the point of living, it, 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 it really, you know, it sounds corny, but it's true. It's about enjoy, enjoying the journey and appreciating the abundant blessings and lessons and learnings and teachings and all the little kind of wonderful things along the way. I don't know about you, but I've often manifested things instantly and it's like, oh, yeah, well, I've got that now. Okay. <laughs> Why doesn't it feel... I really wanted that thing. Why doesn't it feel fabulous? Why doesn't it feel fabulous? You know, why doesn't really why doesn't it really fill me up? Exactly. Or you go out and you buy ten of them. <laughs> yes. 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 You know, that kind of instant gratification is not really gratification because it's like this kind of quick fix, instant self soothing of some sort. The creating the working towards it, you know, that's the fun stuff, you know, meeting people along the way, experiences. So manifesting experience, uh, obligations and experiences and the lessons, that's all, that's all part of the abundance. 
Yeah, totally. I, I hear you. And it is so much more than just stuff because that's kind of just, it gets to a point where it's unfulfilling. So I want to ask yes. you one final question, which is about a frugalista tip. And this could be anything, but I'm kind of <laughs> hoping that you might want to talk about real estate because I know you're quite a real estate guru. Oh, look, I, I love property. I still do. It's something that I, it, it's in my blood. And when I say, oh, I'm not doing that anymore, I still kind of do it. Manifesting a property and not having that emotional attachment and being flexible and adaptable and, and it can create wealth and you're so deserving and worthy of wealth and prosperity. So, yeah, life. And I think that's part of it. I think investing in material wealth, you know, we're spirits having a physical experience or are we physical beings having a spiritual experience? I'm not sure, but creating wealth really is also creating self-worth and self-love and, and you can share too. So the more you have, the more you can share. Yeah, so... I think, yeah, investing in property isn't, isn't evil. <laughs> it's an easy food and it's a great way to get ahead, especially if you weren't born into money, yeah? You know, mm. if you've got old money, it's different. But if you have to create your own wealth, I think property and investing is brilliant. And I've always done it and I still continue to do it. Even, when I, even at one point I decided I wasn't doing that anymore. I'm still back here investing in property. So. <laughs> well, it's an interesting thing because a lot of young people feel very angry about property investors. They feel like property investors are locking yes. them out of the property market. I'm almost to the stage where, well, I do talk about the fact that I'm a property investor. With some people, I don't. I wouldn't say I made the mistake, but I did raise it with someone young recently and I was just shocked with how angry they were about this. And I completely understand. Yeah think you know there's a responsibility too in that space to do the compassionate thing but yeah I understand their anger though I know how frustrating and challenging it is I'm not really sure what the answer to that is though well I mean you ha you have children yourself who uh, I know are investing in property or starting property and it's yeah it is hard it sort of becomes like an intergenerational war and I don't really know what to do about it either because you know like obviously I want to look after my own financial security too and not be a burden on my kids. Yes but you know it's that thing too that do you sacrifice your own situation out of guilt too and shame I don't think that's necessarily the answer I think it's important to be compassionate about it but at the same time working towards those goals and and being really realistic, like my son's bought a one-bedroom apartment. So would he prefer a two- or three-bedroom apartment? Probably. <laughs> Got to start somewhere, and I realise that it's not easy. But, yeah, doing what you can where you can and not feeling hopeless about it. I think it's really important. Yeah, and as a landlord too, I'm proud that I'm providing housing to people who need it. So I think too, yes. you know, I have a responsibility if things need maintenance. I'm always like, yep, of course they need to be fixed. So I think you do you do reap what you sow. Like if you have that attitude of being responsible with your obligations, it does come full circle. Oh, definitely. Like being really understanding and compassionate and having that responsibility, and it is a responsibility to do the maintenance and to be sympathetic in the situations like we had through COVID. Yeah, but in saying that, yeah, I, I invest in property and I, yeah, and, and, it, and it's paid off for me. It's tricky. It's a tricky one. Challenging. Challenging, exactly. 
challenging. Well, well, thank you so much, Susie. And where can people find you? I know you are very easy to find. You're author of three Oracle decks and you have a website and all sorts of things. But how can people best connect with you? I've got my own website. If you Google my name, it will pop up. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook and all of that stuff. Yeah, as you said, I'm pretty easy to find. And my publisher is Blue Angel Publishing. And I've got some beautiful published kind of Oracle decks as well, as you know. So yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty accessible too. I like to engage on a really personal level with people. And of course, I'm busy, so I can't always drop everything, but I do like to be very genuine about my engagement. And you do your regular Facebook lives, which is so fantastic, and you will often do oh, little you. mini readings with people, which is just so generous. Thank you so much, my love. Thank you so much for this incredible opportunity and to see the value in, you know, you can be psychic, but you can also be practical and abundant at the same time. I think it's important that we heal that paradigm. So I'm so grateful that you've invited me on. It's been really magical and I love and adore everything you do and yay, thank you so much. Right back at you. Love the, the love that you bring to your work. So thank you so much. Okay, bye for now. You've been listening to The Joyful Frugalista with Serena Bird. And of course, sound has been by Neil Hadley. i